Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome to a new episode of TV Gold, Media Week's weekly television podcast, where we review the newest uh, TV dramas usually. We sometimes look at other things, but pretty much the playground is TV dramas. My co-host Andrew Mercado and I have got a busy show today, Andrew, but first up, in all the excitement about the our return for the year last week, we neglected to nominate a show of the week. <laughs> Listeners probably won't be surprised to know for me, it was Boy Swallows Universe. Yeah, and I've uh, been watching this, but I haven't been binging it, James. I just watched one episode of Boys Swallows Universe and I digest it because I think it's so beautiful and I've got one episode to go and when I delay watching the last episode, that's a sign I'm loving it and I don't want it to end. So, yes, Boys Swallows Universe on Netflix, absolutely my show of the week. But if we could talk about something else just really quickly that you watched last week and I didn't, Ted, which is now on binge, and I saw Peacock, which is NBC streaming service in America, say it's the highest uh, launched original series they've ever had. And so I watched the first episode, James, I didn't laugh once. I thought it was so lame. Uh, So there you go. (laughs) Tough crowd. Didn't you even giggle at some of the things Ted said? No, no. I just thought it was. I liked the movie, movies. Okay. Okay. Just didn't think this one nailed it at all. All righty, okay. Um, on today's show, we're going to look at Prosper, which is new on Stan, True Detective season four, Culprits on SBS, Role Play, which is a movie on Prime, and Criminal Record, a series on Apple TV Plus. Andrew, let's start with Prosper. Yeah. I mean, how amazing is it that we're still barely halfway into January, just past that point, and we have another fantastic Australian drama. I mean, man, what a fantastic year we're setting off to. Boy Swallows Universe, True to, um, uh, Total Control, third and final season on iView, and now Prosper on Stan, a brand new original drama. And I've watched the first four episodes, and I just think it is terrific so far. Yeah, look, I've got to agree. I've watched it all. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's a drama from Lingo Pictures. Uh, we've really enjoyed some of their work before. And it's set in the inner sanctum of an, an evangelical megachurch, as they call it. It's called U-Star. Uh, it's run by the wealthy and powerful Quinn family. Uh, their founder and their chief pastor is Cal, played by Richard Roxburgh. Uh, his wife is Abby, played by Rebecca Gibney. And the sort of thing that sets off the uh, journey in this series is um, Cal's decision to try and launch the church into the US. And that has some pretty big ramifications for the family. I mean, Cal isn't the only one with big ambitions, though. When we get to meet his wife and all the rest of the family, they're all pretty driven too for, um, well, I guess ultimately profit, really, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, setting a family drama amongst a megachurch has been done before. Um, there's a few American series that have tried to do this, and The Righteous Gemstones, the HBO series on Binge, which I love, and his pure comedy uh, is certainly showing this. But this is a much darker, more serious drama, but I think Prosper is really capturing um, some of the inherent hypocrisy of some of these megachurches, and clearly it is loosely based on Hill's 
song, we can see uh, that expansion into uh, America. Uh, we can see Frank and Bobby Houston, the, the married couple at the helm of it. And the other uh, nod, the pop star that they're trying to lure into the church to be their celebrity endorser. I mean, that's a nod uh, towards Justin Bieber. I mean, I don't think this guy's a pop star. I think he's a DJ, but whatever. We, we've seen this before and we know that these mega churches, particularly when they want to uh, go into the American market, they want a celebrity at the helm to uh, pull in the young kids. Yeah. Look, there's a lot going on in that first episode, isn't there? You know, we 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 meet the family, we meet the the, the leaders of the church, Cal uh, and um, his wife, Abby, uh, but we also meet um, a troubled um, member of the church, Rosa, yeah. who has been sort of sucked in, if you like, to the, the web of the church. We meet her daughter, Juno, who's unhappy with the way the church has sort of seemed to have drawn her mother in and it's, you know, crippling her financially. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the pop star. Um, we, we also see we get to meet the um, the fixer. There's a guy called Eli who sort of is the right-hand man for Cal, mm. if you like, and he he plays a pretty pivotal role in, in the whole story as it unfolds. And we get to inside their 40th wedding anniversary, which takes place in their home, which is a a mega mansion on the coast of Sydney. So I think it looks like it's down near Hoogee somewhere, but a, a very big um, and expensive property. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think Rose's story also involves uh, a uh, inappropriate relationship with the Richard Roxburgh character. And again, that harks back to uh, what led to the downfall of the uh, uh, Mr. Houston from the Hillsong Church, you know, bit of alcohol, uh, some Christian drugs, uh, hanging around a hotel room late at night and then begging for forgiveness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm a great church leader and that was just a minor transgression. I just th think this is really, really well done. And, and, and I think. Shows like this are really important to watch. I think it's great that we've got a storyline where you can see a woman being absolutely financially stripped by the megachurch, which then, of course, doesn't want anything to do with her when things start to go wrong. You know, quite happy to take her money, but then when Rosa actually needs their help, they shut the door on her. It's hardly Christian behaviour. Oh, absolutely. There's not, there's not a lot of uh, good Christian uh, <laughs> behaviour anywhere in this, is there? The, uh, no. and, and I neglected to mention too, the the Cal makes a trip to Canberra to lobby some politicians and he's identified one politician which he hopes he will be able to favour to try and stop legislation. I think it's to take away the church's tax break, I guess. Oh, yeah. And keep their wealth. So that's another element. So there's a lot going. And just quickly about the car. So Richard Roxburgh and Rebecca Gibney, both fantastic. Um, yeah. For me, the most interesting character was almost Ewan Leslie. Yeah. Who plays the eldest son, Dion. He's quite a troubled soul. Um, his wife, Taz Mingzu, he um, is good. Um, a daughter, Hayley McCarthy, played by Hayley McCarthy. I don't know a lot about her. She's been an Aussie actor who went to um, LA quite early in her career, I think. Uh, Moses is an adopted son, played. Uh, Alexander D'Souza, and I think this is his first, first major role. The character of Rosa, 
is played by Bridget uh, Zangini, I think you pronounce it. She's got some interesting um, work on her CV. She was in the Artful Dodger. Yes, she certainly was. She was in Bay of Fires as well. And um, she turned up in The Secret She Keeps as well, which is another uh, series from uh, Lingo Pictures, which we both enjoyed as well. And how good is you and Leslie in this? Because playing the eldest son of the family, you know, they they sort of assume because he's the eldest son, he's going to carry on the name, but he's a real loser and he struggles in the role. He's highly insecure. He makes a lot of bad decisions. And we've seen this so many times. I mean, there's a younger son that has uh, foregone all the riches of the family and is actually going out there acting like a real Christian and hanging out with homeless people. And they don't like that and they make life very difficult for him but yeah you and leslie is is just portraying this uh well he's not a prodigal son but he might be the eldest son but he is in no way up to uh the job that uh he's probably being earmarked for yeah well and this family get into all sorts of trouble in this um that character of eli's played by now i don't know how to pronounce this Jacek Komen, Komen. Yes, and how good is he? He's in so many things, James. I mean, I think for me, I I really remember him first coming out in The Secret Life of Us when he played a union representative who had an affair with Sibylla Budd. And then from then on, I just seemed to see him in so many shows. And, uh, yeah, he's so fantastic. He was in Rake. Um, If I sit here, they'll all come to me. But, yeah, he's a great, great actor. Yeah, we've had a good relationship with uh, Baz Luhrmann over the journey too. Yeah. He was in Faraway Downs, which means, of course, he was in Australia. Uh, yeah. He had a small part, I think, in The Great Gatsby, and he was also in Moulin Rouge. Oh, yeah. I think he also performed on the soundtrack. So there you go. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, Prosper, yeah? Um, fantastic. Look, really good series. Um, it's on Stan. Yeah, look, I, I had to watch them all. I. I didn't have time to go back and savor them because we we had a we had a busy slate this week, so I wanted to yeah. kick that box. And yeah, it's it's really good, really well made. Yes, really well made. Shout out to Matt Cameron too, who um who was um a writer, the writer and um on this, and he's done a lot of good work over the years too. We've um commented on him some of his stuff. Um, what was the um oh, the clearing? Well, we didn't like the clearing too much. He was involved in that. Jack Irish, she was a uh, creator of that series, and you've done some great work there. Well, yeah, Matt Cameron actually created it with Jason Stevens, and you're right, Matt Cameron, this is kind of the second show he's made about a cult. The yeah. Clearing was about a very different cult, but, yeah, I, I didn't think it was very good at all. He, uh, he's much more on the with Prosper, which is about the now, and, and, and he's very much uh, about events going on with cults today. Okay, let's move along. Look, this is another pretty amazing production. True Detective at season four. It's set in a in Ennis, Alaska, which I don't think is a real town because I kept looking it up and I can't find where this place is. But maybe <laughs> it is. I'm not sure, but it's a, a remote sort of big town, small city, if you like, in Alaska. And Jodie Foster stars as the uh, local police chief. Did am I right in saying? Tell me if you that was all filmed. Uh, a lot of it was filmed in Iceland, okay. uh, and and some of it was filmed in Alaska. But it was mostly filmed in Iceland. And I mean, you know, who's going to know when there's twenty feet of snow, whether it's Iceland or Alaska, right? Yeah, no, they've done a great job of sort of, you know, depicting this remote um, settlement, if you like. 
And look, what an amazing return to form for True Detective. I mean, this is a show that started off so well for that with that first series. Was it Colin Farrell and Matthew McConaughey? Were they in the first ones? Yeah, or yeah. And then we had Woody Harrelson and, you know, the, they started doing these series. And I remember the first one being set in Georgia or somewhere where, where it's really sweaty hot and we always had these two blokes playing detectives. And I think this series has really, really benefited by switching up the gender because I think the third series of True Detective, I didn't watch it. I know it got bad press. It kind of, you know, sizzled out to nothing. Uh, so it's come, made a really great return to form. I mean, anything Jodie Foster is in is going to be fantastic. She's yeah. an executive producer here, but I think she's really uh, matched really well by Cali Reese's uh, The the Trooper, and they've got some real uh, history there. They haven't gone into it yet, but there's a backstory as to why these two don't really like each other. Yeah, look, I've watched a couple of these. I think there's going to be six. They're dropping weekly um, on uh, Binge and Foxtel. Look, there's a lot going on here too. You've really got to pay attention, don't you? Yeah. Um, it's the, the basic story is eight researchers at a remote sort of scientific uh, ge geographical um, research station, if you like, suddenly disappear. Salal Station, it's called. And the, the it's realised the delivery man turns up with the groceries for the kitchen and he gets there and he finds, well, there's no one here. The show starts, we see all the people in the base going about their daily duties, but when the delivery truck arrives, there's no one there. And he goes, oh, that's weird. Anyway, the cops eventually turn up and they have to, they start to investigate what's happened now. So, and there's just no obvious thing about where they might've gone, what's involved. Um, is this a supernatural thing? We don't know. So your, your interest is peaked immediately, right? And with Jodie Foster leading the investigation, you sort of, you go, you buy into it straight away, at least I did anyway. Yeah, they really play up that supernatural angle that something weird is going down. But we know that, it, that, that, that it, this is a serious drama. There's no sci-fi going on here. Uh, but, I mean, there's a character played by Fiona Shaw who is so great in Killing Eve. And she plays this woman that, you know, looks out the window and, and there's a, a man outside in the snow who, by the way, doesn't have – isn't wearing any snow gear. So, clearly – he's a ghost or a vision or something and she talks to him and he points to something in the snow and it turns out to be a huge uh, discovery in this case. So there's that really bizarre mystical element to it, which I think you get in a place like Alaska. If we think back to Northern Exposure even, you know, they're always sort of playing up that kind of, you know, things are, th things aren't exactly completely normal uh, when it's this freezing cold and we're this close to the North Pole. So, yeah, it's a very clever way to sort of keep you guessing as to what's really going on. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's lots of subplots. Um, the Jody never seems to go to bed because, but then you realise, hang on, it's dark all the time. So you never really yeah. know whether it's daytime mm -hmm. dark or evening dark. So you, yeah. but she's involved with nearly everybody in the town. She has some sort of relationship, present, past, and that plays out. But yeah, look, I really feel like I should be watching this a second time before I finish yeah. just to get all the nuances. But, but I'm, look, I'm really enjoying it. Um, True Detective season four. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, culprits is a heist 
series on SBS. Eight episodes. It's up on SBS On Demand. Is it an English sort of US co-pro, do we think? Because it's set in both yeah. countries. Well, it feels very English to me. There might be some American money in there, but I look at the cast and they all look very, very English to me. Maybe that's just because Gemma Arston, Art. Is in it playing a. Re- I mean, anything she's in is she's just so British. Um, I'm just assuming that uh, everyone in the cast, from what I've seen, is uh, very much of the UK persuasion. Yeah, it starts off. We meet Joe, who's living in um, small town in New Jersey, I think it is, um, with his partner Kevin. They've looks like they've adopted a couple of kids. Yeah, um, and. Um, Joe wants to open a sort of a local bar restaurant in an abandoned shop in the little shopping mall, either the high street, if you like, in the yeah. sort of row of sort of empty shops. And he's identified one to help sort of rejuvenate the, the area is his plan. But um, we see in some flashbacks that he has a, a another life back in the UK where he was a bit of a, a an enforcer, if you like, and involved in a heist. Um, and he's sort of got the winnings from his share of that heist. We think it's his share of the heist. We yeah. don't know, and it's not all explained straight away, but he's he's got that stashed somewhere, and he's driving past one day and sees, Jesus, they're doing some roadworks where he's got the money hidden. So he's got to creep in, get the money, and put it into a new hiding place, and that's as, about as far as I've got in this, and... um it looks like he's going to have a few problems. Yeah, and I mean that uh, that scene where he goes to deal with that heist money, and of course things go horribly wrong, and it becomes, it becomes very, very tense, and it's fantastic what happens. But look, you know, he leaves the boyfriend or the husband lying in bed and creeps out of the house and comes back hours and hours later stinking to high heaven and we were no plot spoiler as to why he's stinking and sorry we're supposed to believe that the boyfriend hasn't woken up once through the night and noticed him gone i mean seriously it takes one second of screen time to have shown him because this is a guy who's leading a double life and he's clearly been mixing with criminals all he has to you need to see a scene where he was putting a sleeping pill into the husband's drink so that the husband wasn't going to wake up i just didn't buy that whole scenario as great as it was and as thrilling as it was i was like give me a break so that was the one thing that let it down for me just stretched my credibility a little bit yeah you've got a yeah it does do that but then you know we've had our credibility um stretched a lot before in a lot of series <laughs> yeah. and you've got to buy in you know there's stuff going on in i guess true detective where you think oh come on, come yeah. on. <laughs> true as if, you know, how many times do you think to yourself, as if during a TV series? Yeah, 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 all the time. But in a way, I quite enjoy that because it, it it pushes you, it, it makes you, you know, it gives you, makes you react to what's going on, which I, I quite like. So, look, um, Nathan Stewart Jarrett is the lead in this. I don't know much of the rest of the cast. Nathan was in the trial of Christine Keeler, which yep. I think might be on the ABC at the moment in its second window. I think it was on BBC First a year or so, maybe even a couple of years ago. Yep. It was in the TV series of Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I, I didn't see at all. Yeah, we completely uh, let that one slip us by. Yeah, yeah. 
but the, look, I think it's well, it's well, well worth watching. Um, culprits, um, eight episodes on SBS. SBS on demand, and yeah, I would recommend you watch yeah. it. I mean, um, it, it's the first heist TV series of the year, but yeah, there's certainly uh, there, there's there's moments in this that I've never seen before in a TV series. So yeah, it's 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 really out there. And just quickly on heist, I got involved in Money Heist on yeah. Netflix recently. I watched it because there's a show called Berlin. I thought this sounds interesting. Then I realized that Berlin is a spin-off of Money Heist. And I thought, oh, I should go and watch Money Heist first. And I thought it'd be just a handful of episodes, right? There's more than 40 episodes. Oh my God. I you didn't, didn't start, re- did you? No, I didn't realize till I was <laughs> halfway through the first season of I think of 13 episodes. And boy, is this slow moving. Look, it's methodical. I love all that. But they gee whiz, you know, that's uh, the basis is a uh, a bunch of robbers break into the mint in, um, I think it's Barcelona, somewhere in Spain, okay, and they want to rob the mint. It's very clever. They think they'll go in, they'll print their own money so they won't be able to track it, right? So they won't know all the codes or the, the, the numbers printed on the money. And so, but after 13 episodes, they're still in there, right? And they've got a bunch of hostages and, you know, they've got plans to get out, but they're not out. They're not even close to getting out. And I think there's four, is there four or five seasons of this? <laughs> oh, my God. Hopefully they get out at some point. Well, look, I don't think I'll ever make it to the end. But, look, it's it was a huge hit in Spain and, yep. and a lot of European countries, I'm guessing South America as well. I think it's the biggest um, foreign language series ever on Netflix. Wow. Um, probably... Maybe second to Squid Game now. I'm not sure, but it's wow. It's, okay, it's as big a deal as Squid Game was, right? Yeah, for a Korean drama. So it's it's very well done. But gee whiz, it's um, you've got to have a bit of t- time on your hands. Yeah. Okay. So look, let's move on because we're running out of time today. Let's talk about role play. Yeah, this is a new movie on Amazon Prime, and I was five minutes into it, and I just went. I hate this because it's about, it's yet another story about an assassin. Honest to God, James. I mean, there can't be this many assassins, even in the fictional world. I'm so sick to death of movies and TV shows about assassins. And I find it particularly offensive when in this one she's played by Kaylee Cuoco and she's a mother and a housewife and hiding her big, you know, I go out and kill people for a living secret from her cute kids and husband. It's just like yuck. Honestly, I watched it. I hated every minute of it. I fell asleep. Um, I woke up. The <laughs> husband was in being uh, questioned by the police, and I just thought, no, nah, I'm not watching this. I hated every minute of it because I just think it's boring. I just think that when everyone's making – what was that one we watched last year, the David Fincher movie about an assassin? We just watched that, that Netflix movie with the – that great actor in it. And I mean, it was good, but it was the same old thing. And I'm just sick to death about assassins. I'd never want to see another movie or TV series. Unless someone can come up with a really original concept to recharge it in some way. I'm sick to death of it. 
Yeah, that was the killer with Michael Fassbender. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, well, it was very soulless. It was quite well done, but it just didn't have any mood or atmosphere, which was intentional, I guess. Yeah, anyway, and in the end, it was just pointless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and so role play is a bit pointless. Look, it's very light. Look, not even Bill Nye could sort of, in, you know, keep you watching it. No, no. I did see him briefly at some point, but, yeah, when I was rendered unconscious in a coma from sheer boredom. <laughs> yeah, his character is, again, is pretty hard to believe. You're going, yeah, as if he um, he turns up in a bar where um, Kaylee and, and her husband, played by David um, Oilowo, I think it is, or David O, as a lot of people call him, um, who was the sheriff in um, Silo recently. Kaylee oh, yeah. Of course, well-known from Big Bang Theory and more recently in The Flight Attendant. Um, yeah. And she also did that really gory show last year. Was it based on a true story? Where, and that was where they were chasing, they were doing a podcast with a serial killer. So well done, Kaylee. You've knocked off the cliche, almost a cliche trifecta here, a series about a serial killer and now a movie about an assassin. What's next? Yeah, that was what was that based on a true story that was called based on a true story yeah yeah but anyway yeah that you know this and the the assassin story just gets right out of hand towards the end of it it's yeah. um it's it's almost like a you know i don't know it's um it just gets really they really stretch the storyline the husband gets involved he ends up with a, a gun but you know no spoilers but look it's uh i watched it all i I was tempted to turn off, but it was an easy watch. It's very light. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's billed as a comedy thriller, so. Yeah. Not See, killing much. people shouldn't be comedy. This is my pro – that was my problem with the tone of it. That was also sort of my problem with based on a true story. It's like the Americans are, are so obsessed with blood and guts and violence and guns that they've made so many – dramas about it they're now doing live comedy with it and it's like you know what people are dying this is not a subject for live comedy it's offensive yeah 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 okay so if you <laughs> still want to watch it after all that uh right, right <laughs> it's a new movie and it's on prime criminal record um apple eight episodes a london crime thriller peter capaldi kush jumbo um Andrew, I've got to say, when we first talked about this, you weren't that excited by it, were you? No, no, because I'm not the biggest Peter Capaldi fan and I just went, oh. But then I watched it and went, oh, no, this is actually pretty good. And he's right there in the beginning uh, driving a car, uh, being a, a chauffeur, um, and I just loved his reactions as uh, he had this kind of rich couple in the back seat asking him questions and making inappropriate jokes. And just the way he was giving them the side eye in the rearview mirror, I was like, oh, I actually think I like Peter Capaldi in this role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's very good. I Look, did you know he won an Oscar? He won an Academy Award? For what? It was the, I, I didn't know either, so I looked it up. The Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film. Wow. His 1993 short film, Franz Kafka's, Franz Kafka's It's a Wonderful Life. My God, what a great bit of trivia. Yeah. So who knew, eh? Yeah. But, yeah, look, he plays a, a detective. He's also moonlighting on the side doing some chauffeur work. Yeah. 
which I thought was a bit odd, but anyway. Yeah, because I was really confused by that. When the show started, I got the impression he was doing show for work because he had left the police force and this is what he'd moved into. Like, you know, sometimes you see in these shows, ex-cops are doing secu- becoming security guards and all this. But then he's, he's still a detective, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's still a detective? Yeah. And he yeah. gets questioned by some people he takes – he t- they ask him what he does. He says, oh, I'm a copper. And they go, oh, they joke, oh, are we under arrest? <laughs> but he explains, oh, look, I like doing this. It gets me out of the office. Look, not very believable, but anyway. Not very believable, no. So Kush Jumbo was the other detective. Um, she um, hears about an anonymous phone call uh, made uh, with someone who was being threatened with um, domestic violence. Yeah. Uh, the person wouldn't give a name. She disappears. Uh, the the sort of it's not nine one one and it's triple zero I think so the triple zero caller in the UK is quite worried she's been doing it for a long time and thinks this call was genuine you know yeah we yeah. should investigate this further um, during that call the caller says look she refers to a an old case that um, Peter Capaldi's character investigated once claiming the wrong person was convicted yeah so anyway Kush. Uh, Jumbo goes to see Peter Capaldi and chat to him about it. He's not impressed that someone's calling into a question, a case he thought was all finished with, and it goes on from there. But as as a real cliffhanger at the end of that first episode, which makes you want to come back, and I'll certainly be coming back to watch the rest of these. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly good for me, and I liked it that uh, there's clearly a whole bunch of things being laid out in this first episode and you can see that somewhere all these threads are going to come together there's definitely been some skullduggery in the past that needs to be unearthed and it looks like that there's some real wrongs that need to be righted yeah yeah look i i really enjoyed this um again i haven't seen a lot of um kush jumbo's work i do remember her from deadwater fell uh yeah. starring with david tennant um and she was, and I never watched The Good Fight or The Good Wife, but she was in both of those. Yeah. Made a lot of episodes. So, yeah, so um, she's great in this. And I loved the little, in that first episode, she visits just a, a uh, I think a, just a suburban solicitor who's been involved in this case in the past. And there's some great scenes in a diner of the, of the meeting those two have. I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, it's a really good series, Criminal Record. Yeah, so that's on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. And they're only dropping one episode per week. Are they? I think so. Yeah, there might be two or something up there, but Apple TV never binge everything. You have to kind of go back to it every week. Okay, so eight episodes to watch out for there. Look, um, and just quickly, we've got – we're going to have a special episode on Prosper where we will dig into it a little more deeply, and we're lucky enough to be able to talk to Rebecca Gibney who'll tell us a little bit about her role in it, um, the story, what attracted it to her. We might even ask her about a couple of her other roles she's had in the past. Yeah, um, and also really quickly, James, I just, you know, last week when we did our first podcast for the year, the Golden Globes had just been on and 
They were really ordinary. Um, and now today, you know, they had the Emmys, which was a delayed ceremony from September. Um, and I actually thought it was really good. It was really watchable. I thought Anthony Anderson, uh, did a great job hosting. He, he didn't go for gags. He went for uh, nostalgia, uh, because it, the Emmys are 75 years old and they had some amazing reunions on stage of cast members from Cheers and all in the family and they'd recreated the sets. And yeah, I found the whole show really fast moving and very, very watchable. So yeah, well done to the Emmys for pulling off a watchable telecast having been delayed for so long. Yeah, fast moving over three hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree. I'm sorry. I'm just about um award showed out this this um this month. Look, I've I sat through the Golden Globes. I watched most of the Critics' Choice. I yeah. gave up pretty early on um the Emmys, I must say. What I did like, you're right, the um the reunions of all the cast. It was great seeing all the people from Cheers, yeah. the people from uh, All in the Family still going around. The I Sopranos, mean, Ali McBeal, they had the unisex yeah. toilet with Callista Flockhart. I mean, it was very random, but yeah. I loved all, of course I loved all of that. They recreated a bit of I Love Lucy. Yeah. Um, that was funny. Yeah, no, I, I did enjoy parts of it, but wow, it's all the usual suspects, all those shows. I'm great to see Beef still winning things. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was so few shows actually seemed to actually win. Beef won a lot. Um, Succession and the Bear. So it was almost a repeat of everything we've seen. They're all worthy winners, but they're all the awards. So, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Look, we'll wrap up this episode there. Thanks uh, a lot, Andrew. Show of the week has to be Prosper for me. Yeah, it's got to be Prosper, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. As you say, two fantastic Aussie uh, productions in the first two weeks, first two episodes this year, and it's truly epic again. I'll use that word about both those series, just fantastic work. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, one of the things I I really like about both these shows is they look like they've spent some money on it. At no point during Boys Follows Universe or Prosper do you think, oh, they're cheaping out there, like they look really big budget, look great on the screen. So well done, Australian TV. For sure. All right, Andrew, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, James. Have a great week.